Hey, I'm Dave Coles, and you're listening to the Allbacks podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Allbacks podcast. I'm Andy Burt, and as usual, I'm joined by my host JP Tocker. G'day, JP. Hey, mate. Pretty excited about today's uh, interview. I have to, I have to admit. Very special guest today. We've got former WWE champion JBL. He's also a very big proponent of rugby in Bermuda, and he's a current WWE commentator. So, welcome to the show, JBL. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast with you. How do we address you? Is it John or JBL? What's the what's the term <laughs> for you? It's like I tell my kids here in Bermuda. You can call me uh, John JBL, Coach JBL, but most anything, I, I answer to it. So, whatever you guys feel comfortable doing. Hey, we've got a rugby player here called Sonny Bill Williams, and he's called SBW. So, I like the JBL with you, mate. So, maybe we go with that. <laughs> Sonny Bill is, a, I think, a little bit better athlete than I ever was. What a what a freak of nature that guy is. I was so looking forward to him playing sevens, and then, then he got hurt. Uh, what, what an incredible athlete. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh, multi, multi-skilled. He's also the heavyweight champion in New Zealand for a little while in boxing. So, pretty amazing man. <laughs> he is. Uh, you you got to just hate a guy like that. He's good at everything he does. Plus, he's, like, really good looking. All the women love him. So, yes, I, I absolutely hate him. How would he go in the wrestling ring, do you think? Oh, I think he'd been fantastic. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, we had a couple of New Zealanders uh, a long time ago. The Bushwhackers are yeah. good friends of mine. First time I ever got to talk rugby. And uh, I think he, Sonny Bill is made for WWE. I think he'd do a, an incredible job. I think he'd be world champion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Can I ask you a quick question, JBL? I was just watching this, look at some highlights this morning. How much of being a WWE star is about having the personalities and character versus the physical and athletic attributes. You know, it's hard to say. Uh, you have guys like uh, Jake Roberts, uh, who back in the day was not just a great athlete, but he had all—he was loaded with charisma, was one of the greatest stars of all time. And then you see some guys who are incredible athletes who don't ha- quite have the charisma. Uh, and then you mix it with a guy like The Rock, who had both, or a guy like Stone Cold Steve Austin, or Roman Reigns, or John Cena, and all of a sudden you have these mega stars. So it's that fine blend. You can't do one without the other and not be a major star. It's, it's interesting. Uh, John, the John Cena and The Rock have sort of evolved beyond WWE, and now The Rock is the highest paid actor in the world, and John Cena's uh, all of a sudden on all these famous movies. It's, it's it's now also a, a platform. Would you say it's a platform? Mainstream. Yeah, it's going mainstream. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. I don't think one of those guys came into sports entertainment to use WWE as a platform. I think they generally love it. Uh, and you look at John Cena. You know, he refuses to leave, and he could. Uh, the Rock always comes back. You know, it's just that adrenaline rush of uh, being out there in in front of a live audience. There's there's nothing like it in the world. It's you know, when uh, WWE is coming down there in September, uh, yeah. you'll see it in person. I mean, these guys love performing. There's nothing like it. Hey, mate, um, we, we do a little section called Try and No Try, and basically um, you answer Try and No Try if you agree or disagree, a Try if you agree, and a No Try if you disagree. You, I think you're familiar gotcha. with things like this. Yep. So I'll run through them. So the first yes. one is uh, the All Blacks Try and No Try. Oh, definitely a try. I think they're the greatest team in the world, and I think they've been the greatest team in the world for some time. I, I, I preach the All Blacks motto to our kids all the time of sweep the sheds. You know, you got the best team in the world, and these guys care enough to, to have a motto like that that they actually use uh, literally 
to me, that's one of the most impressive things they do. And definitely a try. Yeah. Mate, a little bit controversial, CrossFit. CrossFit? No, no try. Uh, give me a break. Uh, like, I'm just not a big CrossFit fan. I mean, if you're 40 years old and you're, you're an accountant somewhere in town and, and you want to get in shape, yeah, go do CrossFit. But if you want to be an elite uh, athlete, train like a man. I love it. Oh, man. I do CrossFit now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? CrossFit's not bad. But if you want to be a, a world elite athlete, uh, to me, CrossFit's not it. I mean, it's very simple. You lift heavy weights, you, you lift very hard, and that's how you get stronger, and that's what elite athletes do. Yeah, right. Okay, I'll move on. I've um, got an interesting one here peanut butter. <laughs> I hate peanut butter. No try. Hate it. It should be banned forever from the world. Hey, uh, Guns N' Roses. The old Guns N' Roses, I'm a huge classic rock guy, so uh, i got to give them a try. I'm not a big fan of the stuff they've done you know, in the last number of years, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Try. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings, have you seen any of those movies? Love the scenery. I'm not a huge science fiction guy, so I'm going to give it just kind of a, 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 an out of bounds. We're going to go scrum on that one. Uh, scrum from a five yard. No try. Uh, our try. Um, and uh, Brent the Hitman Hart. Uh, try. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. I love Brett. I've always loved Brett. Uh, when I broke in, he was the guy that was on top, and he was always uh, terrific to me. Uh, he's a legend and a true gentleman. Uh, definitely a try. Yeah, and he was, um, he was definitely one of our favorites growing up. That's quite a nice segue just to chat about wrestling, mate. And I guess where did you, I guess initially, where did you grow up? What's your background? How did you first get into wrestling? Grew up in uh, Sweetwater, Texas, which is way out in the oil fields of West Texas. We had uh, two sports. We had football and spring football, and that, that was about it. Uh, never heard of rugby. And uh, played a little professional football, got hurt, and I uh, couldn't play any longer, and got into wrestling uh, with uh, Brad Ryans, the 1980 Greco-Roman world champion, trained me. He also trained uh, Brock Lesnar, uh, Big Van Vader, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, and wrestled in Japan, wrestled in, in Europe, lived in Europe for two years, and finally made it in WWE in 1995, and, and I've been there ever since. And to to make it to the WWE, it's obviously the ultimate. Was that always the goal for you, to make it to that stage? I, I was, at the time, you had three places you could make money. You could make money, this is back in, in the late 80s, early 90s, WWE, WCW, and Japan. And I was just hoping to make it to one of them. I, I, when I got the offer from WWE, I took WWE over WCW because I thought it was a better company to work for. I thought there was more opportunity there. And, and in, in hindsight, uh, I was right. But it wasn't because I was smart. I just kind of got lucky with, with going with my gut. And in terms of Vince McMahon, he's well known for creating these really colorful characters. So before you um, came along to WWE, did he have a character already assigned to you? Or did you come up with your own kind of character? No, I just did a trial match uh, with Savio Vega in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It was a snowstorm, and literally it was a TV taping. I bet 300 people weren't there that day. And uh, they had to put them all on one side of the ring just so it looked like they were, it was full. It was, a, it was a blizzard. And I was just kind of surprised them. And when I did, they took my cowboy character, being from Texas, and just they changed my name uh, so they could own the name. Uh, which they did with nearly everybody back then, but they didn't really tweak the character that much. So the only real huge tweak came uh, when I went to become JBL, and that was in the suit and tie and cowboy hat and 
the Wall Street uh, bad guy. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned them earlier on, but um, the Bushwhackers, I think in the late 80s and early 90s, are probably the two most famous New Zealanders in the world. Um, did you cross paths with them on the wrestling circuit at all? Oh, I love the Bushwhackers. We had so much fun together. We've, we've drank more beer together and told more stories and sang more songs. Uh, they're two of the greatest guys on the planet. We, that's my first introduction to rugby, and we would spend long European tours. We used to go for tours for 20, 25 days uh, with WWE because we only did TV once a month back then. We would do four Raw episodes in one, one night, uh, four one-hour episodes. So we had all month to travel. And we used to sit and we'd sing songs that they'd make up how American football was fake and phony, and I'd make up how uh, rugby was rigged and, and, and sport football was. We had so much fun together, uh, ripping over football and rugby. And then I saw them when they got inducted in the Hall of Fame, and uh, I, I've kept up with them on social media. And they said, you're really a rugby coach now. I, go, well, I said, well, I'm not a rugby coach. I'm not, I'm not good enough, but, yes, I, I love rugby. But where did the passion for rugby start? I mean, how, how did you come to not? I I started watching rugby when I moved to Bermuda. And I loved the sport. I loved it from the first time I saw it. And I, I just there's something about it that I, just drew me to it. But when we needed a program for kids here, because we have a lot of gang problems in Bermuda, a lot of black-on-black violence here uh, that, that kind of stays just in the neighborhood, and we needed a way to reach those kids, rugby was the perfect sport. Um, you know, you can't play American football. You, you need 22 players at least. You need all the equipment. Rugby, you need a ball. Uh, that's it, and some grass. And it's, it's a sport that's filled with integrity and the right kind of ethics that, that go with a sport. Uh, to me, it was the absolute perfect sport for our kids, and in hindsight, it's turned out to be. Hey, JBL, you, you talked about the, the sweep the sheds, which is um – like a bit of a cultural term in New Zealand, and, and um, I'm guessing that you've read the book The Legacy. Yes, mate. Uh, just a couple of a couple of things. How did you? Who told you about the book Legacy? And obviously, it encapsulates how they were back to create their culture, and probably it's a lot to do with their success. But mate, how did how'd you find that book? Did, did someone recommend it to you? Yeah, so, uh, someone recommended it to us. You know, I'm I'm in a huge rugby circles here in Bermuda because of the, the rugby, and I'm. I go and do rugby things, uh, you know, all over. I was just in the, at the Hong Kong Sevens. Wassel Serevi uh, is a good friend of mine. He also oh, comes wow. to the island uh, about, about three or four times a year to work with our Sevens program and our kids. He does unbelievable work for us. And so I've just been a fan of the All Blacks and their mindset about how they approach the game. I mean, to me, Richie McCall is is the one guy I would build any team around. Any team, uh, he just—it's just the guy is a—is an absolute perfect leader. And when he talks about the fact that it's not about him, he wants to leave that jersey better than when he found it. I mean, that is a true legacy uh, for a team, and it shows why the All Blacks are so great. And to me, no one plays 80 minutes of rugby like the All Blacks. I mean, those guys—I'd hate to play those guys. Because every team comes out and they show that first initial fire that they're, they're 15, 20 minutes, it's usually pretty even, and then that machine just keeps rolling and keeps rolling. They just have a relentless pursuit of perfection. And to me, I think they're the greatest team in the world. Fantastic. And just mentioning um, Richie McCaw, I understand that you've also referenced Richie McCaw on WWE programming and also Buck Shelford. Um, I'm just wondering. Yes, I have. Uh, 
Did the people get those references? Yeah, people don't always get my people don't always get my references, but you know those references aren't something that I plan on making. You know, I just I watch rugby, and so when I'm watching other sports and something uh, happens, it reminds me of something that I've seen somewhere else. And you know, again, a name like Buck Shepherd comes out or Richie McCall, and uh, you'd be surprised how many people. You know, now that uh, so many sports now are not just relegated to one part of the world or with the proliferation of cable television, so many more people see uh, rugby. And there, a lot of Americans do know Richie McCall. He, he's been an incredible player for an incredible team for a long time. Yeah, and that audience in the U.S. is certainly growing. Um, the Lions series in June and July, 10 matches, all going to be broadcast live on ESPN3 in the States. So um, I'm sure we'll, we'll gain a few more fans there. It should be a great series. It should be an awesome series. I'm looking forward to it. My mate here, uh, Gareth Noakes, who uh, is the head of Bermuda Rugby, uh, official head, is coming down for the series. I really kind of wish I was going. He, he invited me to come down, but I've just done too much travel uh, already. You know, America had uh, their best year. They're, they're not anywhere close to being in, uh, in the league with the All Blacks, but they won the America Rugby Championship this past year by beating the number nine-ranked team, uh, Argentina. In the, they tied them in the finals, but they won on points. And America, that was probably the biggest win they had since the 1934 Olympics. So you're seeing a bit of a renaissance uh, in rugby in America. Their sevens team, on the other hand, uh, is one of the best teams in the world. They're, they, they're ranked number five right now. I think they should probably be ranked number four. But, man, Danny Barrett and Perry Baker, those two guys can play on any sevens team in the world. Yeah, we've got a bit of gas in New Zealand, some fast players, but then we look at the States with Carla Niles and Perry Baker. I think we're quite jealous of the speed that you guys have. Yeah, it's another level, I guess. No, Perry Baker is, is something special. You know, Carlin Isles uh, came along first. He was the fastest guy in rugby. And Perry Baker is, is a little bit more of a complete rugby player. He plays defense. He loves to tackle. He's a guy, you know, that you really can can build your team around. You need Danny Barrett, though, in the middle. I think you saw last weekend with the Singapore Sevens, without Danny in the middle, uh, you're not able to get Duratolo and, and Nua and, and Teo and those other guys involved. And you become a one-man team with Perry Baker at uh, I think having Danny Barrett there uh, really helps solidify that team in the middle. He's one of the hardest runners, isn't he? Straight up the middle. Hard to put oh, my God. Danny Danny is, a, Danny is a guy I would start with a rugby uh, 17. I think that much of him. Um, he's the heart and soul of that American team. Everybody you know, talks about Triton Perry Baker, and they should. He's that uh, fantastic of a player. But Danny Barrett, to me, is the heart and soul of that team. All the dirty work that you need done in the middle – you got to have that big, tough guy in the middle, and that's what Danny Barrett is. Plus, he's a very smart guy, and he gets everybody involved. He's, a, to me, uh, is the one guy I would build a seventh team around in the world. Yeah. Hey, JBL, I just have to throw this in. A guy from my rugby club, uh, Pungal Haney, he's actually training with the American sevens team at the moment. He's, he was born in American Samoa, so he qualifies. So keep an eye out for Pungal. Hopefully he gets uh, I think he had a little bit of a run in Sydney, um, but I'm hoping that he gets a bit of time for the, for the Americans. But he's a, he's a hey, we got a great seventh team. We know we, with the South Africans put us out of the final three three tournaments in a row. We finally get there, and the Canadians, uh, I guess, who had never been in the finals, end up beating us. So we, you know, it's a, it's a tough run, but we're, we're right there on the cusp. You know, being a, a top three team. But when you're talking about uh, Fiji and the South Africans and England, I mean, those are those are some great teams. It's good just to be in the company of those teams. Yeah, it's quite amazing to see the growth of um, sevens in North America. We've had two tournaments this year, both men and women, where it was uh, all North American finals. So it just shows the growth 
um, in your part of the world. Hey, JB, I was actually doing a bit of research on you and watching a talk show that you were on recently, and it was quite amazing. Within about 10 seconds, you raised the, raised the Japanese rugby team. <laughs> so that's, I think that probably just shows hmm. your, your passion, for, passion for rugby right there. Yeah, you know, I, I, I try to tell our guys, we, I think we play a wrong style here, and I try to tell them we need to play like the old Japanese, I say old, the, the, group, the Japanese team that played under Eddie Jones. Uh, they were. They never missed a tackle. It, it was what a phenomenal team. They moved the ball really fast, and to me, that's the perfect style. That's what everybody's going to away from the northern hemisphere style of just lining up and beating you up, which Ireland and England and France have been able to do for so many years. Hey, mate. Um, look, to, to talk to us about what you're doing in Bermuda, and um, I believe you started a rugby academy over there. You sort of mentioned before that. So there's a little bit of a problem with um, with kids probably not having a lot to do. Yeah, that's right. We have a, a serious problem here with some gangs, and uh, we, we instituted the program. I found that uh, seven years ago, uh, a couple years ago, we won an award out of 17 countries and about 8,000 programs as being the best with working with at-risk kids. The main thing we try to do is keep kids in school, uh, keep them out of gangs, keep them occupied, uh, and to do that, we Rugby is the the route that we get them into uh, our program. Then they have certain standards that they have to adhere to, and we're taking kids that have really done nothing, nothing athletically, and allowing them to get out uh, all their uh, frustrations and their energy out on the rugby field. And we've been very successful with it. We've got a great team, just under a level of taking it to Hong Kong. Hopefully, uh, the next year or two, we'll be able to do that. And we've, we've had a lot of success with our kids. We've also had a lot of success. We have 100% a graduation rate uh, most years out of our kids, which wow. significantly bucks the norm uh, for at-risk kids. So it's extremely positive, obviously, the effects it have, has off the field. But on the field, you're also seeing some, some pretty great talent emerging then. We are. We just had a young man, Michael Deal, that uh, went down to Stellenbosch Academy. He's about to finish up down there. He's our first young man to leave the island. We've got another one, Anthony Morgan, who's going to uh, play college rugby uh, next year. We've had him since seventh grade, so we've had him for um, you know six years. Uh, we got one at uh, the sevens, Corey Boyce, uh, that could probably play on any tier one sevens team in, in the world right now. We've got wow. some incredible athletes. Uh, we've got some really tough guys that love to hit people. It's fun rugby. It's, I promise you, the, the All Blacks would enjoy watching our kids play. They play with real passion. Mate, so what, when these kids grow up, what sports are they exposed to initially on the island, sort of before you brought rugby along? Uh, soccer or football, depending on where you are or what you call it, uh, and cricket uh, mainly. And the problem with uh, soccer here on the island are legacy issues. A lot of the clubs have gang affiliations and, and a lot of drug issues. So we we wanted to start with the green field and bring a new sport in these kids because they're very limited. You know, a, a big kid who might be a great front row in rugby can't play soccer uh, just because of size. And so we're 15s is a very inclusive sport. So you're very limited here in Bermuda in what you can do. And now uh, rugby is considered a school sport in all the public schools, and that is actually part of the curriculum now in all the public schools. Mate, so it's not easy working with at-risk kids and obviously dealing with gangs and things, but, mate, if there's probably a couple of tips to, to, to anyone who's working in a community with, um, you know, with troubled youth, what would they be? 
you say the issues working with uh, public youth and and kids? Yeah. Yep. Uh, the main thing, I didn't quite uh, catch the entire question. I think the issues were about dealing with public kids. The main thing is uh, we have 90-something percent of our kids one t at one time when I checked are single-parent homes. And so there's absolutely no role model for these kids. And so this coach, that, uh, that, that whoever this kid has, uh, becomes that big brother, becomes that stepfather that they didn't have. We have a rugby coach here. We only have a couple of full-time employees, both are coaches, and one of the coaches has done eulogies for either two or three of our kids who've passed away. The family thought that much of what the rugby coach did. He, he went uh, into court the other day with a young man, and the judge knew him by name. He'd been to court so many times. So because the, the kid doesn't have a parent that could take him. You know, and so you, you fill a role that's much more than a coach uh, with when you're dealing with at-risk kids because they need something. They need structure, and they need up to somebody uh, that, as an adult that's giving them a good influence and not a bad influence, and also demand stuff of them. Uh, you know, nobody's demanding anything out of these kids, and they actually enjoy having something demanded of them. Right. So in some ways, rugby is giving these kids a family away from their own family. That's right. Uh, we, when we first started our, our program, we had the first day of practice, we had kids who wouldn't be on the same team with each other because in practice even, because they were in different gangs. Uh, and then uh, a few months later, we, we knew we were breaking down the barriers. Uh, there, there's a gang was outside the practice field, and I caught one of the kids sneaking off. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to the gang fight. And he said, I'm leaving my stuff here because I don't want to get beat up and have my stuff stolen. He was going by himself. I mean, that's that's a really gutsy kid. So I stopped him. I went and ran off the gang, and I came back, and I asked one of the kids, there and I said, Hey, listen, you stopped him. And I said, I want to thank you for a gang that was waiting for And I said, You're going to have problems with that gang now because you sided with somebody that's in another gang. And I said, Tell me why you did that. And he said, Because we're on the same team, coach. That's what you told us. No. And that's what we're trying, that's what we're starting to see with these kids is that this is their new family. Instead of belonging to a gang, they're belonging to rugby. And that's a positive influence. And we make it hard for them. We don't make it easy. And the harder we make it, the more kids want to be a part of it because they know they have to work very hard to get that jersey. Yeah. Mate, that's, that's a, an amazing story. <laughs> we could have asked for anything more. Yeah. Uh, you're doing an amazing job, mate. Well done. Congratulations to you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's amazing to hear. Oh, thank you. You know, I actually, I get, I get, believe, trust me when I tell you, I get more out of it than the kids ever do. I, I would, you know, I love working with WWE. Uh, I love the entertainment, but to me, being able to come home and work with these kids, that's what makes everything worthwhile. And you also mow the lawns at the rugby club as well, mate. <laughs> yes, I do. I just, I got to go down and mow it tomorrow. I, I'm not sure how that happened. We got about a five-acre field, and I come in Wednesday from TV, wherever WWE is on Tuesday for Tuesday Night Smackdown, where I'm a commentator, and I land and go straight down to the field and mow for about two and a half hours. And I'm not sure how I'm the one that got chosen to do this. Uh, we, we bought a lawnmower, and we, we're going to get some, one of the kids to do it, and I've been doing it for two or three years now, and it, I don't, I'm not getting replaced anytime soon. That's, <laughs> that's the issue. I'm like Carl Spackler. He was uh, Bill Murray's character in uh, Caddyshack, you know, the guy that was chasing the gophers. That's, that's pretty much me. 
Really. Hey, and looking at the WWE, are there any wrestlers that you've managed to turn on to rugby? Uh, there's a bunch. You know, Seamus, uh, being from Ireland, is a big rugby fan. Cesaro, being from Europe, is a big rugby fan. Fit Finley uh, is probably the biggest rugby fan. Uh, North Ireland wrestler, I wrestled him. I think I wrestled Fit in uh, WrestleMania 24. Uh, so there are a few. Neville is uh, from England is more of a, a soccer football fan, but he does watch his rugby. So uh, we don't have the bushwhackers there anymore to talk rugby, so those are my guys. Yeah. Hey, looking at um, the WWE coming to New Zealand this year in September, um, and Christchurch show will be held. Um, what, can, what can people expect who maybe have never been to a wrestling show before? Well, we're also going to do it in two cities in uh, um, Australia, I believe Sydney and Melbourne as well, that, that same uh, week of September around 14th, 15th. Uh, WWE to me is one of the most entertaining shows that th- there is in the world. It's why you know we were, we are one time in Melbourne, I think, put seventy something thousand people there in, in one of the arenas. Uh, WrestleMania draws seventy something thousand. A year ago, drew one hundred one thousand. There's a reason. It, people just want to be entertained, and that's what WWE is. It's a true variety show. It has something for everybody. To me, it's one of the most fun things that, for any family or anybody to come see because they're going to enjoy something about the show. That's pretty cool. And now just relating it back to rugby again, if you could choose one wrestler, present or past, who could cross over to rugby and be the ultimate rugby player, who would that wrestler be? Oh, there's no doubt about it. Brock Lesnar. You talk about a number eight. Good Lord, man. Uh, you, hey, you talk about a front row. You have Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, Big E, who is a Florida powerlifting champion, uh, Braun Strowman, uh, and Roman Reigns in the front row and put and put uh, Brock at number eight. You you could scrum with the freight train. Could you could you put uh, Triple H? Those guys are massive. I, I think Brock would have been Brock would have been an incredible athlete. And I tell you what, the, as far as a wing, uh, there was a guy who was with the WWE who's supposed to be coming back got injured. I'm not sure status right now. Shelton Benjamin, uh, he's one of the best athletes WWE has ever had. Uh, that kid could play wing for any rugby team in the world. I, I would. Love to see Shelton on a rugby pitch. That'd be a scary team. Hey, mate, Sander, on your island later in the year, the um, the Legends uh, tournament where all the former All Blacks and, and, and former internationals sort of gather yearly for a, a big tournament. Did you uh, get amongst that last year? Oh, yeah, I go every year. We call it the Classic here. And uh, it's all the legends that, that come out. Uh, it, it's a fun, fun event. It's, it's a week-long event. Uh, it, it's a... Well, something Bermuda has become famous for. They've been doing it for, I think this is their 21st year. Uh, they do an incredible job. We also, this year, August 10th, it's the biggest fundraiser we've ever done in Bermuda. we got Saracens coming over right after the boys, uh, Owen Farrell and, and Billy Vinopolo and Marlo Tojo and all those guys are going to be down with the Lions. Uh, they're coming back and meeting Saracens here for a week of training camp in Bermuda, and they're going to play uh, the USA Islanders team. And uh, it's it's uh, these guys are... Saracens has been a huge supporter of ours, and uh, we're, we're trying to obviously raising money for our at-risk kids program. We're going to stream it, get some commentators, and have some fun with it. But it's a huge game for us. Yeah, it's going to be a massive occasion for you, mate. We'll look look forward to hearing about that. And you mentioned the lines there. I guess um, just in wrapping up here, huge series. They only come down here every twelve years. What are your thoughts on that series? Who do you think will win? Uh, I wish I could be added to watch. I cannot wait for the, for these games. Uh, I think I think this is the best Lions team that has ever gone down there. Uh, I think 
the rest of life. Uh, look, we know how, how New Zealand's going to play. They, they they play relentless. They play 80 minutes of rugby. The question is going to be is how the Lions play. And I think it hinges a lot on Owen Farrell and uh, Billy Vanapolo. I think uh, Billy Vanapolo at number eight, he just played in the European Championship, was was man of the match, was absolutely phenomenal. And I think Maro Atoje on the lineouts, I think Maro Atoje is the best lineout guy in the world as far as getting lineouts and stealing lineouts. And I think those three guys, it's going to hinge a lot uh, upon how they play, and especially Owen Farrell. When he's kicking well, he, he's one of the best in the world. Uh, you know, he, yeah. he, he rivals a guy like, like Dan. I mean, he's just – he's so good. And it, it depends on injuries. You know, how, how many of these lines uh, get injured leading up to that three-test match, uh, I think is very important. Yeah, it's going to potentially be the highlight of 2017 for rugby. But looking forward to next year, the highlight is most likely going to be the Sevens World Cup, which will be hosted in San Francisco, USA. Um, how excited are you about that? I'm excited. Uh, we actually just got 20 hotel rooms booked for uh, people here in Bermuda. We're going to watch it, and uh, I cannot wait to see it. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to me. The Fijians play so big in great events. So what they did in the Olympics was they look like a, a men's division playing against uh, junior high kids. They were so much better. Uh, I can't wait to go out there and see it. I'm, I'm hoping that America is able to uh, at least get a bronze. I'd love to see them get through and win it. But, you know, that's just being a fan. But I, I think they're a top three team, and I hope that the U.S. has Eagles have a chance to, to finish in the top three. Hi, mate. We, we just have to thank you for sharing our passion of footy. And um, you're doing great things overseas, mate. We, we, we think it's awesome. And um, look, if you get down under, um, please, we'd love to meet you in person and, and do this again. Um, and we'd love to share some stories with you. So, hey, thank you very much for your time. Um, and please, uh, let, let, let's try to keep in touch. It's been fantastic. Thank you, guys. I look forward to it, and uh, good luck to your All Blacks. I'm, I'm one of the biggest All Black uh, fans in the world, so this was a true treat for me to be on your podcast. Oh,